This is Your Path with Bishop Mark from Dallas Universal Life Church in Dallas, Texas. Forget what you think you know about church. The Lord be with you. And also with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. When some were speaking about the temple, how it was adorned with beautiful stones and gift gifts dedicated to God, he said, As for these things that you see, the day will come when not one stone will be left upon another. All will be thrown down. They asked him, Teacher, when will this be? And what will be the sign that this is about to take place? And he said, <clears throat> Beware that you are not led astray, for many will come in my name and say, I am he, and the time is near. Do not go after them. When you hear of wars and insurrections, do not be terrified, for these things must take place first, but the end will not follow immediately. Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes, and in various places famines and, and plagues. And there will be dreadful portents and great signs from heaven. But before all this occurs, they will arrest you and persecute you. You will be hand, you will hand they, excuse me they will hand you over to to synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before the kings and governors because of my name. They will give you an opportunity to testify. So make up your minds not to prepare your defense in advance, for I will give you words and a wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be betrayed even by parents and brothers, by relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. You will be hated by all because of my name, but not a hair on your head will perish. By your endurance you will gain your souls. This is the true gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to the Lord, Lord the, the Word, the Light. Be seated, please. So I say good afternoon to you. Good afternoon. The best fairy tales come from the worst fears. Most of them were written in a time where poverty, famine, and childhood abandonment were common. All three of those are mixed into a story about kids getting lost in the woods and eventually meeting a cannibalistic witch. In a children's story, you may have heard uh, of in a children's story you may have heard the name of. Uh, it's adorned with the name of Hansel and Gretel. Brothers Grimm also wrote Rapunzel dealt with her fears associated with unwed pregnancy. You heard me correctly. Remember the nice prince who rescues the princess by climbing in the lower, in the tower rather? Rapunzel, Rapunzel, let down your golden hair. That's not why he climbed in the tower in the original tale. 
The witch knew nothing of these rendezvous until one day during her visit with Rapunzel, she was asked very innocently, why don't my clothes fit me anymore? It was then that the witch realized what Rapunzel had been doing, so she cut off all of Rapunzel's hair and sent her to a different tower in the desert, far away from any civilization. The prince, not knowing the danger that was laid before him, went to the tower to see his beloved, but found the witch there waiting for him. After a struggle, the prince fell out of the tower into a bed of thorns that gouged out his eyes so he could no longer see. He wandered the forest for years blind. In the meantime, Rapunzel lived in the desert. Her hair grew back, and she gave birth to a set of twins. The prince eventually made his way out of the, out of the forest and into the desert. While there, he heard Rapunzel singing and went towards the voice. When he found her, she fell on him, weeping, te weeping tears of grief. These tears healed his eyes and allowed him to see again. He rescued his family and brought them back to his castle to live happily ever after. The, the Disney version of it. <laughs> mm. We all love Disney's version oh, of The Little Mermaid. That's a tamed down version of what kids in Hans Christian Andersen's day got. Get ready for this. In that version, the mermaid gives up her fins to meet the prince of her dreams. There's a few drawbacks, though. Not only is she mute, she also constantly uh, feels like she is walking on knives. Yeah. In the end, the prince ends up marrying the neighboring princess anyway breaking the poor mermaid's heart. However, she's given a way out when she is given a magical knife that she is to kill the prince with. Once that happens, she can become a mermaid again. Even after all that, she cannot bring herself to kill the prince, instead turning the knife on herself. Childhood mortality is dealt with in Rockabye Baby, Ring Around the Roses, Rosies. This rhyme comes from England in the time of the Great Plague. In those days, the plague was so, so uh, rife that people would carry around with them a posy, which is a small bunch of flowers that they held under their noses to help stop them catching the plague. It also helped with some of the smell of the decaying bodies. A tissue, a tissue, sneezing, uh, i.e., for example, caught the plague. Uh, we all fall down, as in we all fall down dead. Which leads us to Tim LaHaye's Left Behind series. The fear that we would be ready for God when he shows up with the big stick. Today we are going to look at a very scary story that's been made into good fiction over and over again because we are having a hard time handling the truth of it. Luke 21 verse 5. Some of his disciples were remarking about how the temple was adorned with beautiful stones and the gifts dedicated to God. But Jesus said, it was more than twice the size of the Acropolis in Athens, by the way. Its perimeter was almost a mile long. One of the stones of the temple complex still remaining measures 45 by 11.5 by 12 feet and is estimated to weigh 570 tons. As for what you see here, the time will come when not one stone will be left on another. Every one of them will be uh, thrown down. The days will come refers not to the second coming, but to a time in history before that, the, uh, the uh, literal destruction of the temple in 70 AD. Teacher, they asked, when will these things happen and what will be the sign that they are about to take place? <laughs> Jesus can be pretty tricky in his responses to questions. 
he's really good at getting to the heart of the matter before you even realize it. The question is about predicting God's predicting God. Jesus' response is about predicting them. Let me unpack that. What would you do if you knew when God would return? The same thing you would do with your library books? Wait to the last minute? Or a better example is the amount you paid to those red box movie machines for just one movie because you waited so long to return it? These people are trying to read God like a, a game of poker. Jesus flips the tables around before they even notice. He, the answer, his answer to their question seems to be straightforward, but it's, it's not. Instead of addressing what they are asking, he addresses what they should be asking. What they are asking is, when do we, get to, when do we have to get serious about our obedience? For some it was, how long do we have to remain obedient before we can kick back and take it easy? What they should be asking instead is, how should we equip ourselves for this war we're walking into? Jesus is not going to just describe an event. He's going to describe a state of being. That's the scary part. Luke 21 and Matthew 24 are two of the most debated passages of Scripture. Everyone wants to know when this stuff Jesus is describing will happen. <clears throat> History tells us that the destruction of Jerusalem occurs in AD 70. We also know that the destruction of the city is used by Jesus as a pattern or a type, a typological example, that points to the ultimate destruction that will come at the end of the age when Christ returns. I wish, I, I, I really do, I wish we didn't know this. Now all we want to figure out is in this chapter is which verse is talking about AD 70 and which, verse, which verses are talking about the, the big show at the end. So we debate these finer points and miss the big point. Pretty common. Imagine, if you will, one of those big eye charts. You know, the kind you get when you go and get a, an eye exam. Now, what is the one thing, the first thing you notice on that big eye chart? Well, anybody? The, the, the very first, the biggest letter. Which is what? S? It's the letter E. E, okay. It's the letter E. Okay. So just imagine that for a moment, if you will. He replied, watch out that you are not deceived, for many will come in my name claiming I am he, and the time is near. Do not follow them. When you hear of wars and revolutions, do not be frightened. These things must happen first, but the end will not come right away. Then he said to them, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes, famines, and, and pestilences in various places, and fearful events and great signs from heaven. Heard of any wars lately? Know of any diseases that have been giving people problems lately? How about food shortages? What does that mean? The end is near? These are the last days? Now, go and buy my book and the DVD for more details. Guess what was going on for them in the first century? Wars, disease, and food shortages. The end was near for them too. Everybody thinks that their times are the end of times, because they are. Jesus just isn't talking about what will happen to these people. He's talking about what they will become. This isn't just about a battle to be fought sometime in the future. This is about a war that will take, place, that will take a lifetime. Now let me explain. Religion causes war. The reason this is true is because your whole foundation 
your way of viewing life and death changes. People with different uh, faiths are about as far from one another as they can be. Conflict is inevitable. This is why many find it difficult to marry someone with a different faith. In, two, second, in the second book of Corinthians, uh, chapter 6, verse 14, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light, uh, uh, can light have with darkness? Jesus is not just telling them the way out of conflict. This isn't the cheat, the cheat code to skip Armageddon. He's bringing conflict on, and he knows it. He's causing the conflict. There's a reason why the Bible is called a sword in Hebrews. Wait a minute. I thought Jesus was called the Prince of Peace. He does bring peace between man and God for those who want it. What those who find peace in God will quickly discover, though, is that peace with God will cause conflict with people who don't have peace with God. The Prince of Peace himself said, Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Well, what about what Paul, what Paul wrote in Romans chapter 12, verse 17? Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Here's the thing about trouble in your Christian life. You don't have to go out looking for it. It will be looking for you. All these temples we build in our life hoping to escape that reality will eventually, be, will eventually come crashing down. Not one stone of the job or house or popularity or admiration from others or addiction will be left on another. Jesus won't even have to destroy his, this temple himself. He knows people with a different belief system will do it anyways. For the Jews, it was the Romans. And he's trying to prepare them for this battle, not between Jews and Romans or Christians and Jews, but between light and dark. But before all this, they will lay hands on you and persecute you. They will deliver you to synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors, and all on, my, on account of my name. This will result in your being witnesses to them. The word witness is marked... <laughs> Martyr, martyr, martyrian, the same root for the word martyr. But make up your mind not to worry, your, not to worry beforehand how you will defend yourself. For I will give you words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. This doesn't mean that Jesus will give all his disciples a get-out-of-jail-free card for the rest of their lives. What it does mean is that God will do whatever it takes to glorify his name in us. When God gets glory, we find our greatest joy, given in the midst of the most difficult times of life, like what Jesus is about to describe. You will be betrayed, even by parents, brothers, relatives, and friends, and they will put some of you to death. Been there? Not the death part, because when you're still here, but the betrayal. It hurts. All men will hate you because of me, but not a hair on your head will perish. By standing firm, you will gain life. Death can't even destroy a hair of hair, destroy a hair, uh, destroy a hair on your head if you are a witness for Christ. God's economy works in reverse. The more you give, the more you gain. You rule by serving. You rejoice in suffering. Why wouldn't you gain life by losing it for Christ's sake? 
the insanity of it just makes sense. Next, Jesus gets specific as to how it will apply to Jerusalem. I think he does this because he truly feels for what they are about to go through. When you see Jerusalem being surrounded by armies, you will know that its demolition is near, excuse me, its desolation is near. Jesus had already wept and described this in chapter 19. We read of Jesus' crucifixion and find that the Romans forced Jesus' cross on a man from Cyrene named Simon. The Romans forced Jesus' cross on more than that, more than just one man. Every Jew in Jerusalem would feel it in some way. This made Jesus weep. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let those in the city get out and let those in the country not enter the city. For this is the time of punishment and fulfillment of all that has been written. Now's the really scary, uncomfortable part where we have to take our, our blame. We take our blame off the big bad. Excuse me. We have to take our blame off the big bad Romans for this massacre to come and realize that God's vision, vengeance is behind the whole thing. It's not that the Romans are so bad and, and mean and everyone was the innocent victim. Reality is God's vengeance against sin is just that destructive. This takes us back to a passage we read earlier. I should have finished reading it. Romans chapter 12, verse 17. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now that's the easy part to, to uh, square in our minds. Now read further. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. This makes us uncomfortable, especially when it's aimed at us. We love God's grace, but we fear his justice unless it's aimed at that guy who just stole our credit card or out of, uh, cut us off in traffic, then we call down God's vengeance. Can I be honest? We are just too fickle, selfish, and confused to presume to be bothered by God's ways. Who are we to know any better? Who are we to judge God? Fear God? Absolutely. Pass judgment on Him? Tell me how that works out for you. Mm -hmm. How dreadful it will be in, these, in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. They will be, there will be great distress in the land and wrath against his people. They will fall by the sword and will be taken as prisoners to all the nations. Jerusalem will be trampled on by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. And this is what I think Jesus makes a leap from AD 70 to the second coming. But... Who cares? The point is that we should live today like, like every moment of our life is Armageddon. There will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars. On the earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. Men will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. And here comes our hero. At that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. That will make it all worth it. 
he told them this parable, look at the fig tree and, the, and all the trees. When they sprout leaves, you can uh, see for yourself and know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that the kingdom of God is near. I tell you the truth. This generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. You get it? The kingdom of God was near then, and it's near now. Jesus' word to this crowd is just as appropriate for us today as it was to them more than 2,000 years ago. Okay, okay. This is where everyone stops reading in Luke 21. All the sexy stuff is done. The stars have fallen and the men have fainted in terror. The end time stuff, the scary part is done. Roll the credits. The reality is that Jesus has been teasing and baiting their attention to lead them to this conclusion. Be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with dissipation, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life. And that day will close on you unexpectedly like a, a trap. For it will come upon all those who live on the face of the whole earth. Be always on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. You aren't just in training. You're already in battle. This isn't a place of safety and training. It's a place of danger and doing. Quit trying to predict God's next move and pay attention to what he's doing right here, right now, and through you. Amen. Knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. You're listening to Your Path with Bishop Mark from Dallas Universal Life Church in Dallas, Texas. All right. Everybody's favorite part of the service, the announcements. Let's go ahead and start with the beginning. Compliments, concerns, suggestions, or complaints. Very straightforward. You got one of those? You need one of these. It's an email address, feedback at DallasULC.com. Have any of those, those problems, compliments, concerns, suggestions, or complaints, anything, that you, any kind of feedback you have for us, uh, simply email us at feedback at DallasULC.com. Okay. You can make a difference. We always need volunteers here at Dallas Universal Life Church. Um, you know, there's always something to do. Uh, none of us here take a salary. So, uh, it would be a volunteer position. We always need more volunteers. If you'd like to volunteer, please check us out at dallasvlc.com slash volunteer.html or simply just come see me or call the church office. Very simple. Moving on. You can also make a difference by donating to our church. We are a nonprofit corporation. None of us here take a salary. We are all volunteer. And believe it or not, uh, donations are down. Uh, and we could really use some help right now, folks. If, if you out there are enjoying what you're hearing, enjoying what you're seeing, um, believe in our message of all inclusivity and uh, unconditional love, please consider giving a donation to our church. Uh, we could really use it and it will all go directly to the church for its uh, growing uh, foundation. You can do this by going to anchor.fm slash bishopmark slash support. That is our podcast station there, the people who host our podcast. All of that money, of course, goes to uh, Dallas ULC. You can also always go to DallasULC.com. I keep that up to date. There's always places on there where all of our information is there, including how to donate. 
And if you shop on Amazon, we do ask that you go to smile.amazon.com whenever you shop and make sure you choose Dallas Universal Life Church as your charity. Amazon will graciously grant us uh, half a cent for every dollar you spend, and it does add up. Moving on. Did you know we had a podcast? I thought I heard. Yeah, I heard too. A lot of people are hearing from IC. Uh, we are having a big day coming up. Um, December the 1st. Sunday, December the 1st will be our 100th episode. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, a big, that's a big milestone for any kind of broadcast on on-air uh, uh, show, yeah. whatever. So, yeah, I'm real proud of that. And, and I'm real proud of our broadcast. And we, we have some good listeners there. Um, check it out. If you haven't checked it out yet, if you've only seen us on YouTube, or you've only been here in the, in the, in the church, go check out our podcast. It's a little bit different. You can, you can you know, walk down the street and be listening to me. <laughs> Not sure that's what you want to be doing, but, you know, shout an amen while you're walking through downtown Dallas. People will look at you like you're crazy and you'll fit right in. All right? Now, you can get our podcast where? By simply going to Your Path with Bishop Mark, or you can check it out on one of these fine providers, which I don't have the notes for, so I'm going to let Tim read them. Okay, they are... Uh, to the right, Tim. To the right, Tim. Yeah, the notes. Podcasts. Yeah. CastBox, PocketCast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Radio, Public, Anchor, Breaker... Breaker, Overcast, and Stitcher. It's not as easy as it looks, is it? No, no. no. Yeah. One of these days, you're going to get up here and preach, right? Absolutely. Check us out. Check out our podcast. Maybe one day, uh, Mr. Tim over here will be uh, preaching someday. Okay, moving on. Prayer requests. If you have a prayer request, it's very simple. Pray at DallasULC.com. Pray at DallasULC.com. We pray every day here at Elders Universal Life Church. You can ask that you remain anonymous, or you can ask that your name be included. You can also ask that we pray for you on regular uh, prayers during the week, or you can ask for us to pray for you on Sunday with the entire congregation. Um, like I said, you, you can remain anonymous, or you can leave us your name. Also, this is a great place if you wanted to uh, dedicate a service to a loved one, uh, either here or gone. I, I think it's, I love it when people donate to people who are still alive, and they can come to the service and see their name and the picture and maybe watch a little video. Uh, all we ask for you to cover then is a, the cost of the service with a donation. Um, any questions you have about that, just simply go to pray and send us an email. Pray at DallasULC.com. We'll be glad to work with you. Now, speaking of dedications. Go ahead and take it again, Tim. <laughs> darkest night swallows the grave When I see the sun slowly fading away When our memories keep me awake And I'd give anything to see you one more day where the river meets the sky I know you're by my side Watching me from above 
service today to my mother, uh, Patricia. Uh, next Saturday will be her 66th birthday. And, uh, you know, God has a reason for everything. And sometimes it's tough to understand why a man would take away a woman with such a kind heart at the age of 57. Yeah, I, I, I marvel at his decisions at times, but it's not my place to judge him, but sometimes it's, it's hard to understand um, so anyway mom wouldn't want it to be a, a, a sad thing it is because I miss her very much but uh, mom you're getting old 66 mm -hmm. so alright <clears throat> moving on I think that's going to be the last of it isn't it oh yes I almost forgot big thing coming up now you're going to have to hit the buttons on this one one at a time Tim so Thanksgiving at Dallas ULC uh, we have service with communion, and then we'll also have uh, the Bishop's Roundtable. It will be a shortened version of the Bishop's Roundtable because we want to eat. <laughs> and of course, we have a potluck dinner. Now, folks, I need you to sign up and decide what food you're going to bring. I've, I've already got uh, a turkey and a ham. There's going to be plenty of meat. So we need desserts, soda pop, uh, sides, any kind of green bean casserole or whatever you want to bring, something. Right. So you need to sign up with me, okay? Um, and it'll say it right here, I believe. Uh, Thursday, November the 28th 
at 5.30 p.m. That gives you enough time if you have your families here that you can go and visit with your families, go to you know, church with them if you, if you need to, uh, have lunch with them, digest a little bit, and get over here and, and hear the word again, and then have some more good food. That's at 5.30 p.m. And again, see Bishop Mark to sign up ASAP. I need to know what you're bringing, okay? So don't forget Thanksgiving. Look, that's, that's like a week and a half away. Right. A week and a half. Be here for you There already is, you know? All right, I think that's all for today. Yeah, there we go. Okay.